I'm always fascinated by the conversations I have with prospective clients about their business relationships. Right after I hear comments like, we have a fantastic culture, or we have an amazing relationship with our clients, my first reaction is to simply ask them, how do you know? To which the response is often formulaic or textbook corporate speak at best because they keep showing up for work or because they keep buying from us. Most of these answers are flawed at best, dangerous at worst, if you're not focused on asking the right questions. So in this episode, I thought I'd share 10 observations as definitive signs that your business relationships are not strategic, they're not worthy of co-creation, and they certainly won't be curve benders in your future. In short, they're weak. Hi there, this is David Knorr, host of the Curvebenders podcast. I'm excited to share insights with you at the intersection of the future of work and strategic relationships. Make no mistake about it, there are a number of forces in the next two decades that will dramatically change the way we live, the way we work, the way we play, and the way we serve others. And I believe there are these relationships that will come into our lives that can change both the direction and destination of where we're headed. Those are the individuals I call curvebenders. So in each episode, I want to share with you insights from our research, from our interviews of great guests and their incredible experiences. I want to invite people to share their ideas and examples of not just coaches and mentors, but real curvebenders that have had a profound impact on their lives. Specifically, we're going to talk about pragmatic ideas in the evolution of your skills, your knowledge, and your behaviors. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. David Knorr back with you with another episode of the Curvebenders podcast. This one focused on 10 signs of weak business relationships. I have uh, worked with clients uh, where they often ask, well, can we co-create with somebody brand new? And the answer is no. Can somebody you just meet become an immediate curvebender? Uh, again, the answer is no. Fundamentally, and, and you've uh, heard me say this in jest, that Relationship economics, co-create, and curve benders are my Star Wars trilogy because they're foundational building blocks. You need really strong. You need uh, battle-tested. You need proven relationships as your foundation if you're going to build a house on this foundation that's going to last. So in you know through this pandemic, in countless conversations, coaching. Uh, observing investment opportunities and net new growth engines. I'm working on several innovation sprints at the moment. We keep coming back to some fundamental flawed in assumptions, some things that we overlooked, a whole lot of things we assumed that were in place or we had or you know two sides of the same coin that I thought it'd be worthwhile. Uh, you've been listening to a number of guests in previous episodes to really focus this episode on these 10 signs of a weak business relationship. So I'll address them. We'll go through them one at a time. And then I'm going to give you some questions to ask yourself, ask your team, ask your organization 
on how to remedy some of these, right? So number one, relationship breadth and depth. Ideally, a relationship grows in its breadth and depth over some period of time, right? So you've known, you know, you, you start with an executive or you start with a team and you work on a project and or an initiative or some sort of an event and and or they buy your first product, whatever the case is. And most of my experience, by the way, is in the B2B space. So I'm not talking about individual consumers. I do reference individual relationships, but it's B2B relationships. So ideally, that you know, the revenue is growing in that relationship. Ideally, they're using a broader portfolio of your products or services. Ideally, the breadth and depth of those relationships are increasing over some period of time. Uh, you know, you're invited into things that you were not aware of. You're introduced to other executives that could benefit from your unique set of expertise. Um, if those qualitative, quantitative uh, metrics in the relationship breadth and depth are not increasing, um, that that flatlining or declining uh, should be telltale signs that that relationship is in trouble. Uh, I don't know of any organization that can cut its way to growth. Similarly, if the relationship is not growing, uh, where we know each other better, where we work on multiple projects, where you get a line of sight into very different parts of the organization, if those things are not happening, the relationship breadth and depth is not expanding, it's either non-existent or if it's declining, that relationship is weak, it's in trouble. Number two, I call it investable assets. Are you jointly working on investments like research, like creating unique products or services? Are you working together on the client's value chain? And how do we improve their distribution channels? How do we work with their customers or their customers' customers, right? Uh, are you looking for more efficient, more effective, more interesting ways of doing something? In essence, are you exploring together through investments of time, effort, and resources. If that's not happening, the business relationship is in trouble. Number three, I call it complacency decay. Year after year, you're doing the exact same thing, the exact same way, over and over again. And unfortunately, somebody sees the other side as a cash cow. They were happy with us last year. Why should we do anything different? Let's just assume we're going to get the same business, if not grow it. Let's just call them once a year and just check in and see how they're doing. Somebody else, if, if nobody else tells you this, you need to hear it. Somebody else is dating your girlfriend because most clients, most relationships typically have choices. They have options. And other either known competitors of yours or interestingly enough, digital and technology is making, you know, those barriers to industries kind of non-existent competitors you don't know of are calling on the same relationships. And if they show up with a fresh lens, fresh perspective, fresh way of thinking about something, doing something, it screams that you've been complacent. And it screams to that client, to that relationship, the guy that's been keeping your business year after year 
hasn't been earning your business year after year. Number four, they're disengaged. There's no outreach on your side. Your emails, calls are not getting returned. In essence, they're indifferent. Think about the relationships you personally prioritize. Think about the relationships or emails or calls you return immediately, right? Who are they? They're typically your more valuable, if not most valuable relationships. They're typically people you enjoy spending time with. They're people you feel that you're better off because you're in a relationship with them. You don't do that. You don't ignore valuable relationships. So again, if there's no outreach from your side to them, that's your fault. If they're not returning your calls and emails, either you or your perceived value is no longer a priority. If they're indifferent, you haven't invested sufficiently enough in nurturing that relationship such that they see value in your interactions. Any way you slice it, if they're disengaged, that's a weak business relationship, they're not engaged, they don't see value, they're indifferent, that relationship is in decline if it hasn't declined already. By the way, I've always believed pestering the crap out of people, you know, five more phone calls isn't the answer. You know, treat yourself with dignity and respect, treat yourself as a peer, not a subordinate. I don't like to be called a vendor. I don't let people call me a vendor. That's not who I am. That's not what I do. So the manner in which you carry yourself with your business relationships, regardless of whether they're a customer or not, you should always feel and and treat yourself with the same respect as a peer of that executive you're trying to work with, of that executive you're trying to help. Number five, if you've ever seen me present on relationship economics, you've seen this example. I call it the relationship bow tie versus shoelaces. So if you draw a bow tie, right? So draw two triangles where the points are facing each other. That's a bow tie, right? In most organizations, there's one of you that has a relationship with one person over there. Inherently, you have a weak link in the chain because God forbid, if that executive leaves, or there's changes that you're unaware of or you're surprised by, right? You're back to square one and you have to start all over again. Unfortunately, many organizations throw the baby out with the bathwater. Conversely, if you turn that bow tie around, so now you draw two triangles where the point are pointing on the outside and you draw lines across those two triangles and it looks like shoelaces. So I often coach people to build relationships up, down, and across the organization so no one executive leaving right, is going to be detrimental to your efforts, to your ability to impact that organization. By the way, are they asking you for your insights with a new executive? Hey, uh, Nor, let me introduce you to John. He just joined us as chief product officer, chief right? Revenue officer. I think it would be good for you guys to get to know each other. Again, if that's not happening with your relationships, they're either in decline, they're already weak, or you haven't done enough to invest and help help them understand the real value that you can bring to the table. Number six, I call it zero foresights. Do you actively participate in annual or regular, it could be quarterly, it could be annualized, joint planning. 
Is there a feedback loop mechanism for you to understand how things worked on the last project or initiative you worked together on? Do they share their aspirations? Hey, here's where we really like to go next quarter, next year, 18 months from now. Here's where we believe our business should look very differently on the other side of this pandemic. How about M&A activity, mergers and acquisitions? Do you have a line of sight into those? Do you hear about them? Or do you read about them afterwards in the Wall Street Journal? Do they tell you or do you bring potential interesting partnerships or acquisition opportunities to them? So part of this, if you haven't heard it in my last few right signs, is the proactive nature of the relationships. Your best relationships shouldn't be passive. It shouldn't be, I'll get around to it someday, or you know what, it's good to know about them. They should be top of mind. I actually have mine printed on a list in front of me. I call it my ABC list. What are my most valuable relationships? Who are my most strategic relationships? And not always successful, but what am I doing about some of these on a consistent basis? How am I adding value? How am I contributing to these on a consistent basis? Because if you don't make those investments, if you're not proactive with your relationships, you should have zero expectation of that reciprocity, right? The good news is there's an African proverb that says, if you want shade, the best time to have uh, planted a tree was 20 years ago. The next best opportunity is today. So it's never too late for some of the things I'm going to talk about. I'm I'm sharing with you. You can start now, right? And getting much more proactive in your relationship investments. Number seven, defensive cuts versus offensive investments. When this global pandemic started, many of you know, I I made a list. I started calling clients, relationships, and not to sell them anything, but just kind of talk about what are you seeing and what are you hearing? And, um, you know, what are you guys doing or thinking about differently or how are you managing? Suddenly everybody's had to go work from home. How are you managing remote teams? What are you struggling with? What seeds are you planting? Right? Some great conversations with these executives. And I saw rightfully so a lot of executives because of the uncertainty made a lot of defensive cuts, right? We're going to immediately cut travel. No, you know, no more contractors, no more, you know, training. They cut a lot of advertising, a lot of those kinds of things. They've cut back. Cash preservation, defensive kind of strategies. I said it earlier, I don't know of an organization that can cut its way to growth. So in subsequent conversations, what I've gotten particularly excited about are executives who are making offensive investments. They're looking for, right, transformational opportunities. They're making, you know, looking proactively for prudent investments. They're looking for not to be vultures about it, but are there players in our space that may be smaller companies that are in cash crunch or they haven't been able to weather the storm that we could go invest in, partner with, or acquire for that matter? My question of you is, are you a transactional vendor or are you a strategic thought partner? Because transactional vendors are the ones that typically get cut when there's defensive cuts going around. A strategic thought partner becomes that offensive investment, becomes that, let me call John, let me call Sue, let me call Beth, let me talk to Hector about an idea that I'm that I'm thinking through that he may or she may, may or may not be able to help with, but at least I want to gauge the perspective. Regardless of, and if you don't hear anything else in this episode, you need to hear this, regardless of 
what any and every one of us do, we're fundamentally in the relationship business. And if your relationships that are critical to your success aren't reaching out to ask for your opinion, your ideas, your perspectives, here's a million-dollar question. Why not? More importantly, what has to happen for them to do that? Because defensive cuts are vendors, typically transactional vendors, and they come and they go. There's very little differentiation between them. And hey, tomorrow we'll find another one. Strategic thought partners, strategic sounding boards, strategic perspectives, lenses, are all part of that offensive investments that that they want to make for net new growth opportunities, right? Number eight, something we've all been living with for some time, crisis relationships. I want you to think about this analogy of a fire extinguisher, a fire sprinkler, fire alarm, or fire prevention training. Let me say it again. A fire extinguisher, fire sprinklers, fire alarm, fire prevention. There are different parts of this disaster called a fire, right, that very few of us really get excited about. So fire extinguishers are putting out the fire. Again, transactional, do your work, after the fact, right, places burning down, put out this fire. Fire sprinklers, much earlier in the process, you have to plan for it, you have to design them, you have to integrate them into the infrastructure, and they're there to prevent, hopefully, bigger, right, instead of just sparks and flames, much bigger catastrophes, disasters, deeper crisis. Fire alarms are even earlier in the process because when there's smoke, there's fire. When there's disaster, they're almost like early warning signs. They are early warning signs and signals of something is not going well. Fire prevention, and say fire prevention training, is dramatically earlier in the process that says, here's how to avoid that disaster altogether. So amidst this global pandemic, Are your crisis relationships learning? Have you learned something from the level of preparedness of your relationships with products, with services, with contingency planning, with resilience, with kind of the ability to juggle seven balls in the air and realize they're all glass and you can't drop any of them? And how are you contributing to those kinds of thinking? Because amidst of the crisis, the authenticity of the relationship, the value of the relationship, the priority of the relationship becomes front and center. Think about who you've touched base with in the last six months. Who's touched base with you? Who's proactively reached out to say, hey, I was thinking of you and how are you doing and how are things going? And again, this isn't about waiting for your phone to ring or your email to kind of pop in the inbox. It's also about you being proactive. So who have you reached out to? Who have you neglected? Say we're all human beings, right? We're all very good at making to-do lists. Here are 75 things I want to get done today. And you may have a list of relationships. Most people don't, but you may have a list of relationships in front of you that you want to be proactive with. I'm often very curious about what relationships are you leaving neglected? Who are you ignoring amidst this pandemic? Who have you not touched base with proactively since 
February, March, earlier this year, before the pandemic hit, and just touch base to ask, how you doing? And how are things going? And what's happening with you guys? By the way, whenever we call out of the blue, inevitably the other side is always thinking, "What? Did, what does he want? <laughs> what does she want? What, you know, why is she calling? I haven't heard from him in years, right? Why? What does he want?" So putting him at ease. Listen, I, I don't want anything. Just I was thinking of you. I, I saw something that made me think of you. I use me as an excuse. I listened to this podcast and this guy was talking about relationships, and I've just done it and take the high road, right? I've done a terrible job staying in touch with you. I just wanted to call and say hi, and touch base, and see how you're doing. And by the way, I read this article that I thought was really relevant to you guys. Or last time we spoke, you were trying to do that and you were struggling with this. How are things going? In crisis relationships, are you the fire extinguisher, the sprinkler, fire alarm, or do you embrace and really lead fire prevention training? Number nine, relationship assets and liabilities. How's your professional net worth? Think about it a second. We all have a personal net worth of our assets and liabilities. I often talk about your professional net worth. In any complex organization, you're likely to rub some people, you know, the wrong way. It's just human nature, right? I don't like your, you know, too colorful of socks last time I saw you. I don't like your hairstyle. I really don't like, I, I, I really think you can, you know, you come across as an elitist. Right? You could probably be the furthest from any or all of those things. But there's going to be some people in that company, in that account, in that department, in that function, in that division that just doesn't like you. I know, hard to believe, right? My question of you is, do you have relationship assets there to defend you? No, 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 no. He really is a nice guy. No, no, she's not, she's not that difficult to work with. She really is a lovely person or or he's not as big of a jerk as it comes. He's maybe a little difficult to get to know up front, but once you get to know him, he's a great guy, really insightful. Oh, he's more than a speaker. Oh my gosh. Big part of what he does is he helps solve kind of really strategic client challenges. Do you have people who defend you? Do you have people who speak up for you? Do you have people that are your relationship assets in that company, in that client. And by the way, are your relationship liabilities growing? <laughs> right? You can only make so many people upset in that client account for so long before somebody needs to see your backside. Somebody needs to see you kicked out the door. So how are your relationship assets and liabilities in that client company, with that department, in that function? By the way, a lot of when I talk about business relationships, one of the myths and misperceptions purely external, right? Customers, suppliers, vendors outside this place. One of the biggest opportunities for you, particularly since our physical proximity has been taken away, are your internal relationships, intra-company, across divisions and business units and functions that unfortunately we don't think often enough about. We'll exchange emails with them. I got an email today. 45 people this thing was sent to, and you inevitably get that one person that feels compelled to reply back to all, right? And somebody else says, no, no, thank you, right? And I'm like, unsubscribe, right? Where is the unsubscribe button? The point is proactively reaching out to your relationships and nurturing them and sustaining them is as critical inside your organization as it is external to it, particularly if you want to get things done with people you can't see, you're not seeing every day. 
Number 10, mutual learning and growth. As I write the Curvebender's manuscript, right now I'm I'm writing a lot about nonlinear growth. If you genuinely don't feel that you're better off because you're in a relationship, a business relationship with somebody else, you're not going to prioritize them. You're not going to invest time and effort with them. You're not going to ask great questions of them. You're not going to learn great insights from them. In the process, you're not learning and growing together. And the way I know how to do that is unfortunately, sometimes you're going to have to go through ups and downs. You're going to have to go through pains to come out the other side stronger together. You you might pee somebody off. You might have a misunderstanding. If the relationship is important enough, valuable enough, you'll come back to a table and say, okay, what happened? And how do we work through this together? And here's what I heard. And where did I misunderstand? Where did I I've always said relationships go bad with misaligned expectations. Where did I misunderstand your expectations? Where did we fall short? By the way, you engaged me to help you do this, and then you don't want to hear the bad news. So help me, (laughs) help me help you by understanding, right? What part did I miss? That's what mature professionals do. They, that's what great relationships do. They learn and grow together. So I hope this has been useful to you. Very quickly to recap, these are 10 signs of a weak business relationship. Number one, the relationship breadth and depth is either declining or non-existent. Number two, investable assets. Where are you jointly investing uh, to really explore, to really experiment new areas? Three, complacency decay. Year after year, same old thing. You see somebody's cash cow. Right There's decay there because you've become complacent. Four, they're disengaged. You're not proactively reaching out. They're not returning calls and emails. They're indifferent. Great relationships are not indifferent with each other. Five, relationship bow tie versus shoelaces. You have a single point of failure. If a key executive leaves, you don't know anybody else there. So what are you doing to build relationships up, down, across the organization? Six, zero, foresights. There's no joint planning, regular planning. There's no feedback loop mechanism. You have no line of sight into M&A activity, and you're certainly not bringing interested you know, potential partnerships or, or acquisitions or any of those opportunities to them. Seven, defensive cuts versus offensive investments. Are you a transactional vendor or are you a strategic thought partner? Because one gets cut, the other one gets invested in. A, crisis relationship. Are you a fire extinguisher, sprinkler, alarm, or are you embarking fire prevention training? Where in the value proposition do you fit? How proactive are you when we think about a crisis? Are you in the prevention mode? Are you in the early detection? Are you in immediately solving a transaction, one piece, or you really saving much bigger catastrophe. Nine, relationship assets and liabilities. Do you have people in that relationship that defend you? Do you have people that stand up for you? Do you have people that are advocates for you, your unique brand, your unique value add? Those are all assets. How are your relationship liabilities? Do you know what relationship liabilities do you have? 10, mutual learning and growth. Relationships are, think of them as a plant. You cannot right? That plant hopefully is growing and and shooting new sprouts and new direction and new, and like any good plant, it needs feeding. It needs care. 
It needs fertilizer. It needs sun. It needs water. It needs to be nurtured. So those are 10 signs of a weak, potentially weak business relationships. I hope this session has been useful to you because these insights are going to be critical to you building sustainable growth-oriented relationships and much more importantly, the opportunity to co-create if not uh, really start to see some of these relationships as curve benders in your future personal and professional growth. If you've listened to the Curvebenders podcast for a few episodes, you know that I'm writing the Curvebenders book on why strategic relationships will power your nonlinear growth in the future of work. This will be book number 11 with tools, ideas, insights, case studies, great interviews like the one you heard today. In essence, what you need to create a personal and professional growth roadmap in your future of work. I'm excited to begin sharing key sections with the members of our NOR forum community. So go to norgroup.com slash forum and check out the Curvebenders thread for more details. I hope this uh, episode of the Curvebenders podcast focused on 10 signs of weak business relationships was of interest and value to you. To summarize, I gave you 10 very specific uh, signs, uh, observations to kind of think about in your own relationships. Here's really the summary of what I want for you. Sit down, find, uh, earmark, set aside, calendar block, whatever works for you, some quality time to think about what I believe is your biggest asset, which is your portfolio of relationships. Make a list. Who who do you most heavily rely on? Who business-wise, professionally, who is most valuable to you in your personal and professional growth? Who are the relationships that uh, you need to accelerate your ability to get things done? Who are the relationships you genuinely find value in, find joy in, investing time, effort, resources in. Nobody can think of all this and be as inclusive as you need to be from seat of their pants. So be proactive, sit and make a list. On that list should also be the relationships you're leaving neglected. And I said, I'm giving you permission. I'm inviting you. Use me as an excuse. I heard this guy talk about relationships on this podcast, and it dawned on me that I've done a terrible job staying in touch with you. And I'm just calling to say hi and ask how you doing and what's going on with you and what are you guys seeing? What are you doing differently? By the way, you can't just do that part, right? By the way, here's an article. Here's something I read. Here's something I saw. Here's something that triggered that I've done a terrible job staying in touch with you. And I just want to reach out and say hello and see how you're doing. What's going on with you guys? And what can I do to help without selling something? What can I do to help? How can I introduce you to somebody else? How can I proactively help and improve your condition? When you are out of sight, you're often out of mind. Hollywood typically says the worst thing an actor can do is he or she can disappear. Relationships need that same presence, that same proactiveness from you. So get proactive, become intentional, and focus on investing 
in your most valuable asset, which are your relationships. I'm so thankful for our listeners on the Curve Benders podcast. I want to keep producing great content, most beneficial to your personal and professional growth in this idea of future of work. So I'd love to hear your feedback. Don't forget to follow us on the various social media channels. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm using the hashtag CurveBendersPodcast. So make sure you follow that for all of our latest updates. Thank you.